Welcome to the Doing Useful Things podcast. I'm Dave Keeler. On this episode, I have Gunter Chabusnig, who is an expert on big data. As CIO of the Austrian Meteorological Service, he manages petabytes, yes, that's petabytes of data. He is the recipient of the Austrian CIO of the Year for 2019, as well as the Austrian IT Idea Award for 2019. Gunter and I discuss how Austria is at the forefront of big data collection and dissemination for public consumption that leads to better weather predictions, more efficient and green traffic flow, and other aspects that improve our lives. So here's my discussion with Gunter. Gunter, uh, go ahead and start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you work, what you do. Hi, everyone. My name is Günther Czabuschnik. I'm the CIO of the Austrian Meteorological Service, uh, one of that big player um, in big data in Austria. Um, we deal with about 10 petabytes uh, of data um, on-premise in our data center. Uh, we get about 15 terabytes on data per day from our satellites. Um, we have a lot of military satellites. There's a lot of privacy issue. Uh, we have open data. We have the whole coverage of um, uh, the data governance and data strategy. Um, I also worked uh, seven years uh, in the federal chancellery, de- dealing with the Austrian data strategy. Um, Austria got the uh, United Nations Public Service Award for the data strategy uh, in 2014. And I'm quite proud that I was part of the, of the whole team. So Austria is um, a quite good player in uh, data politics, uh, but there's a lot, to, uh, lot to do as well. So first of all, it, what is a petabyte? What is can you? What's the the volume of that? Um, think about your your computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, um, in uh, you have five hundred gigabytes more or less mm-hmm. uh, in uh, your computer. Double it, then you have a terabyte, mm-hmm. um, and um, multiply it by 1,000, then you have a terabyte. So a lot of data. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you multiply uh, so a terabyte by 1,000, that's a petabyte. That's a petabyte, yes. Okay. And how many petabytes are, uh, are you guys managing then? Actually, we manage in one of our data centers 10 petabytes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and on our archive storage, we have another 10 petabytes. Okay. As well as in the cloud, we have two petabytes. And this is mostly meteorological data, right? Um, yeah, um, yes and no. So we have uh, a lot of satellite data, mm-hmm. starting from um, um, visual data to infrared data to radar data. Uh, then we have a lot of atmospheric data, uh, geological data, as well as earthquakes, for example, or movement uh, from Earth. Uh, what means earthquakes on the one hand, uh, but bombs on the other hand. So we measure all the um, nuclear tests uh, all over the world uh, by have pattern matches um, from the wave from the waves from the movement of the Earth. Interesting. So let, let's step back for uh, one moment. Can you give a basic definition of big data? Oh yeah. There's one definition I really love. Everything you can't handle with Microsoft Excel is big data. <laughs> okay, I get that. Uh, okay, and then uh, maybe the difference between open data and the opposite, I guess, not open data or private data or whatever it may be. Um, I think it's closed data. Closed data. Okay. Um, when you look about data governance, um, you have the whole s- spectrum of closed data, mm-hmm. which is um, more or less uh, um, owned by your own or owned by a company, very closed, and uh, public doesn't have access. And on the all, uh, other hand, on the spectrum, you have open data. Open data is um, divided in two um, attributes. Um, you have the open government data and open data. Um, open government data is data from the government and from politics, um, which is free to use, which is um, for the public, has no barriers to access, 
is in a non-proprietary format, um, is raw data and is accessible. Um, in Austria, we have a very special condition that we have also open data. We have the open data portal, uh, which is the sister portal of our uh, data portal of government data, but for non-government um, organization like companies, like clubs, like private persons who want to share the data. Because this, the thing is, when you share data, you increase the value of the data. So what you're saying is that the government then amasses a large quantity of data, um, such as on weather or whatever it may be, makes it public, and then people can share it. Is there anything that can ensure that it stays uh, correct or valid as is passed around? Yes and no. Because um, the best thing to ensure it that it's sustainable is to share it. Uh, because when a lot of people have the same data and one is corrupting it, who is going to be the one um, who is, has the correct data? The mess. The other thing is, um, in Austria, the idea is that the data always stays at the data owner. So what you get is metadata. Metadata is data who describes data. Um, that is data you need by, for programming apps, for um, included in business processes. Um, when you have this data, you can access the uh, data, which is at the ownership of the data owner and has all the security patterns um, for the data, for example, in a ministry. Mm -hmm. So give me some examples of data that's available, open data from Austria that people might not know about. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the most exciting uh, data sets uh, was the first data set published. Um, it's the location of the public toilets in Vienna. Oh, yeah. Everyone is laughing about it because um, as we opened this data set, everyone said, are you crazy? Why are you doing the uh, public toilets? Uh, politics will hate you for that. Um, but we opened it and there was some nice thing happened. One week later, um, two groups of people uh, gave us feedback. One of them are runners who do mm -hmm. jogging, who do training for marathons. When you do a lot of running, it's quite good to have the locations of the public toilets. The other one was really, really nice and I uh, really start shaking when I think about that because there were people who had... Uh, special disease had the special disease by incontinentia mm -hmm. and um, these guys wrote us a really nice letter that they told us our life has been much better now because we created an app or guys from us created an app and now we can go out again because we are safe we feel safe wow because we know where the next toilet is. And that was one of the uh, most, out of the really, really nice um, situations we had with open data. But we have a quite, of, uh, quite a lot of um, different uh, kind of data. We opened the, another nice uh, example is we opened the legal information system with all the laws and all the judgments uh, in, in Austria. Uh, why? Um, the thing was, we wanted to make the legal database, who is available at the internet, uh, available on a mobile device. But the government actually had no money um, because they didn't um, yeah, take the resources for that. So we opened all the, uh, the legal data and all the judges, judgments. About two weeks later, there was an app called the RIS, what means the legal system, app in the app store. What was the outcome? The government had an app. 
the citizen uh, had was able to access all the legal data via app, via uh, innovative systems, and uh, the student um, who made this app became really, really um, prominent because everyone was using this app. Um, had a really good master thesis uh, um, where he um, uh, made this app. So when you say judgment, so basically what the judgments through trials and different lawsuits and things like that, is that what you mean? Yeah. So then I imagine it's an extremely useful tool for uh, any lawyer. Yeah, right? so then, indeed. Yeah, wow. There's, uh, I'm surprised that that didn't exist already. That seems, because uh, uh, I know there's a number of uh, systems in the United States where you can do extensive legal research, but uh, maybe that's just... Maybe that's just the U.S. Yeah, but, uh, okay. Maybe 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 adds uh, uh, one thing. Um, it was just one app. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, we had five apps. Of course. But the thing is, um, as we was in this legal information system, we didn't think about innovation. These five other apps had incredible innovation ideas in inside. To have, for example. Um, several legal articles to print on demand or um, to make her own codices or, 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 or. So we got a lot of innovation back by sharing data. So I almost have a vision now that there are uh, entrepreneurs who are monitoring what data is being put out in Correct. open data by the government and say, how can I put this into an application? How can I make this either useful? How can I monetize it? And uh, that's actually pretty cool. You know, I mean, why not? Why sure. not have some? Because generally, if it's if they make money, that's great. They're going to make money because they've created something useful. And they're creating new jobs. Yeah. What helps exactly the economy uh, of the government. Yeah. No, it's a very, um, it's a very forward-thinking way of doing things. In the sense, you know, generally uh, we have a tendency sometimes to hold on to what is ours, right? Because if someone else gets it, well, then how am I not profiting from this? But obviously the governments have the advantage of having responsibility to have everybody profit. But, uh, you know, something like this, it, uh, it makes me think about uh, trying to check out and see what kind of free data is out there because you never know what you can use. Uh so you mentioned meteorological data, and um, tell us a little bit about that. What type of data are you capturing, and how are you capturing it? Nowadays, um, in Austria, we have um, a huge meteorological network of uh, Earth and ground stations. Um, we also use a lot of satellite data, especially the Copernicus program and the MIT-UP uh, program. What is, I'm we, sorry, what is the Copernicus program? The Copernicus program is a satellite program um, from the European Union with the ESA, the European Space Agency, um, where um, seven uh, satellite pairs are up in the sky um, running from pole to pole, uh, what means they have a very, very uh, uh, high resolution in, for example, um, they have sensors, for example, uh, radar sensors, which can um, go into the Earth and um, make some observations. We have um, infrared sensors, ultraviolet sensors. We have visual sensors. We have oceanographic uh, sensors, meteorological sensors, a lot of sensors and a huge, huge data set um, and all this data um, are aggregated in our weather models. Our weather models are physical, mathematical models uh, with an artificial intelligence on top. And um, with these models, we can do weather predictions. On the other hand, we do a lot of measurements um, from uh, geological data, movement of the Earth, gravimetry, um, or the magnetic field of the Earth. Um, with the magnetic field, for example, we do some kind of um, space weather. What does that mean? Um, 
think about uh, sun eruptions, sun, sunstorms, mm-hmm. um, and these photons are which are coming out of the sun um, are um, either um, go faster to the Earth or are fade away from the Earth, uh, affected by the magnetic field. Uh, when you know how the magnetic field is and you know these sunstorms, um, you can calculate if some photons are um, impacting um, the Earth surface. And if they are impacting, they do some kind of uh, Earth um, injections, uh, which can infect um, blackout, for example. So we can do a prediction of a blackout 84 hours uh, before. When you say a blackout, you mean like an electrical blackout? Yes. So something. So these, the dust storm coming from the sun, yeah, then affects like electrical grids. Is that what you're? Yes, so correct. Happens. Interesting. How often does that happen? Um, every hundred uh, years. Oh, okay. So <laughs> when was our last one? To be honest, I don't know exactly. Uh, but what I know is uh, we are much over the time, so it could okay. happen happen uh, every now and then. So who's monitoring for uh, the impending blackout? Um, Actually, um, we have um, three observatories um, in uh, in Europe. And these observatories are working together, Mm -hmm. are monitoring the magnetic field, monitoring the uh, sunbursts. And together they decide... Um, what what's happening mm-hmm. and then they deliver all the information the information from the measured data uh, to the government and then there for the early warning systems okay what means um, they get alerts for the airplanes to get down on earth um, um, security uh, plans are rolled out um, and so on and so on. So this would be a major event, like a worldwide event, if it happened. Um, actually, not worldwide, but uh, continental. And the so this is a partnership with the European with European countries, but are they monitoring the entire? That's Earth? correct. Okay. And are there any particular interesting discoveries that has that have been made using some of this meteorological data? that you can think of off the top of your head. Yeah, the most important thing is how it's going to be the weather tomorrow. <laughs> and so is it? Is this make it more accurate than whatever traditional weather is? That's correct. Um, actually, there's um, another thing what we use is crowd data and IoT. Um, actually, we do the um, highest resolution network of IoT uh, in the city of Vienna. And all this... What is IoT? IoT. Internet of Things. Oh, Internet of Things, okay. Uh, so we have a lot of um, sensors, actually uh, over 10,000 sensors all over Vienna. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will measure a lot of things like temperature, um, but also infrared um, or um, air quality and a lot of other things. And all this data uh, we analyze with big data elements, with mm-hmm. big data tools and aggregate it into our weather models. That makes our uh, weather forecast, for example, for the city of Vienna, much more accurate. Accurate means in our case, um, the calculating points are not 1.2 kilometers, what is normal actually for whole of Austria. We do it in the city of Vienna for 150 meters each calculation point, which makes it much, much more accurate. Um, And not even just the weather is uh, going to be affected um, or the weather prediction is going to be affected. Also, when you think about architectural um, issues, how you build parks, how you make streets green um, to increase um, uh, the the living quality, um, to make less heating islands in the city, for example. What do you mean heating island? Um, there are some hotspots in the city where it's uh, overdimensionally hot in summer, mm-hmm. uh, more than 40 degrees, especially um, in, the, in the main city, in the inner city, 
um, where there's a lot of asphalt in, in the city and where the sun is heating everything up. Uh, when you have green within there, parks, for example, mm-hmm. it cools. So when you have a more accurate uh, prediction and you can calculate these hotspots, um, you can do some architectural um, things um, to improve the life quality um, to make less hotspots, for example. Okay, I understand. The other thing, give another example, is um, um, with all the data we have, we can uh, make um, uh, air quality um, traffic um, traffic movement. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, when you think about traffic movement in the cities, it um, depends on the traffic lights, mm-hmm. how the traffic lights are um, uh, done. And normally it's a very statistical thing. When we have a lot of data, when we know where is a lot of um, um, air quality, um, when we know where is heat, when we know where is where are the cars, we can do analysis and we can um, start to um, deal um, to manage the traffic lights dynamically. Mm-hmm. Is there a centralized system that controls all the traffic lights Correct. now? Correct. There's a centralized system, which is not dynamic at the moment. Okay. Because the data is missing. And together with the city of Vienna, uh, we are developing some systems to make it dynamic. Okay. So I have a very important question. How do I access this ultra-accurate weather data? Is, this, is it accessible to the normal person, or is it the data is out there and someone has to put it into an application? Actually, now we have to um, divide a little bit between data and service. Actually, the data is um, quite free, mm-hmm. but what you need is the service. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I mean... Um, you put the data into the models and then you get um, applications, for example. You can access these applications. They are not free, um, but they are accessible. So, because I'm thinking like, uh, you know, again, the, the weather application on my smartphone, right, where it's drawn. And I imagine uh, there's probably any number of online sources you, that it's just drawing the 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 data. I imagine it's not as accurate as the data that you guys are providing, but there's no one who's using the data that you're providing yet to put into a consumer application. Oh, <laughs> uh, we do. We do. Okay. We we provided an an app. Um, I think two months ago. What's the name of it? Um, it's weather. Uh, but in German, mm-hmm. Wetter mm-hmm. dot team. Dot team? Yeah. T-E-A-M? Yeah. And that's worldwide weather or? Uh, the a... accurate thing is for Austria. Okay. But actually we have worldwide as well. Okay. And that includes uh, rain predictions, things like that. Yes. Right? We have also rain radar. Uh, we have um, all the predictions necessary. So it's. It sounds to me like Austria is making a very big push in the the data, the big data um, department, I guess you could say, and as well as providing um, open data to enhance everybody's life, uh, you know, improve company performances, things like that. Um, are there any situations, if you look at the EU, that might give you pause? as someone who's a big data expert, as far as, hmm, do we really need to be collecting that data? And when I say, do we need to be collecting that data, like maybe that's could be used for uh, nefarious purposes. Hmm. Austria started uh, with um, the project of open data a few years ago, exactly at 2011. And at this moment, exactly this question was actually on the table. Do we need all this data? But very quickly, we all noticed that the thing is that this open data gave us a lot of innovation we don't know. Uh, Suddenly, 
data was um, linked to other data. One, one very big bakery company asked us once, why should I open my data? Why should I open and give access, machine access, machine readable access um, to, the, to the things which are in, in my bread? Mm-hmm. Who does care about that? We ask the crowd, we ask um, the developers, and we got a lot of feedback with how can I access uh, one healthy bread on Sunday um, when I use my public uh, transport system and not my car, for example. Really, really nice ideas. And the companies noticed this is a fact of marketing. It's an awesome fact of marketing when I open my data, for example. Wait a minute. So uh, you said a baking company. That was a bakery company. A bakery company. And the request was from the government to share their uh, their data. And it was the idea, not the request. Okay, an idea. Was the data anonymous or did they know, is it known that it comes from this particular company? It was known. Um, the idea is um, we have this governmental portal and the idea was um, to make a, a second portal for non-governmental companies. Um, and the government is inviting companies to also open their data. And for sure, it's with their marketing name. So how is it, uh, explain to me, how is, how is it a marketing opportunity? Because I imagine the people that are looking at this type of data, it's raw data, right? It's raw data. It's, so it's just numbers or whatever it may be. Those are, seems like more technical, scientific type people. How would, how would that, how would marketing to them, and that's such a very, very small subset of the public, how does that actually provide a marketing benefit to a company? Okay. Um, Austria had one, one very big um, benefit um, by opening data. That was the license. They didn't have one very specific, complicated license. They used a common license, so-called Creative Commons. Mm-hmm. Creative Commons means, and this special Creative Commons means um, that you have, when you use the data, you have to tell everyone where this data comes from. So when you use this data, for example, in an app where you promote this bakery, where you can um, have um, access to breads for people um, who have allergies or something, um, you have to tell everyone where this um, data is from. I see. So in the bakery example, then if they're providing the ingredients, then someone else is some. They're providing the ingredients to their breads. Uh, uh, an entrepreneurial type person has put together an application that's focused on gluten free or or some other type of dietary restriction. They put it together and they've used the data from this bakery. And because they use the data from the bakery, they say, "Well, this is from so and so." And then the end user gets the idea. Oh. I can now go to this bakery and get gluten-free. Exactly. That's the idea. Okay. Wow. Interesting stuff. Uh, So what about, does the government collect and provide in an open method personal data, albeit anonymous? So when I say data that 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 originates from a person, whether it's medical, whether it's TV viewing habits, whether it's you know, anything that is created from a person. The government collects a lot of data, but the data who is collected about a person is under very, very restricted law called GDPR. Um, your data is always your data. Your data is always personal. You only allow the government to access your data. For example, at the ELGA, the uh, Austrian um, Healthcare Share. Okay. <laughs> I think it's Share. Um, where you can give access to your private data to the hospital or the medical doctor, for example. The government is not collecting this data, um, it's your data. Government is only um, 
making access to this data. What does that mean, making access to the data for who? Uh, the government is the clearing uh, organization between the medical doctor and you, for okay. example, or so even though pharmacy. It's, even though it's a social uh, insurance system where the government, it's a single-payer system for the most part in Austria, then they're not collecting anonymous data and using it for medical research or, or disease prevention, things like that. Um, there is, there is indeed, there is a law uh, where you are allowed to collect um, medical data, for example, for research uh, purposes, but it has to be clear to be, that the data has to be anonymous. Mm -hmm. There are no other situations that you can think of where they're collecting, again, something generated from the personal data, um, you know, online searches or power usage. Things like that. Are they collecting any of that? Oh, they're, they're collecting a lot of anonymous, anonymous data. Um, the thing is, data grows in worth when you link data to another data set. Mm -hmm. And that's restricted for the government. They collect a lot of data, for example, financial data. When you do your um, financial report um, to the Ministry of Finance, um, they collect all this data. It's anonymous. But the idea is to have um, smart algorithms um, that all this money you get back, for example, uh, from the VAT, from taxes, um, is much more easier and faster um, on your bank account. So, and I guess the reason I'm asking the question is that you can collect an amount of anonymous data, but it, become, it becomes, as you said, less anonymous as you do correlations, right? And as you use, whether it's AI or, or you know, very complicated algorithms start putting it together. And, you know, there's, there's been situations uh, in the past, you know, AOL shared a bunch of uh, search information for research purposes, right, for academic purposes. Well, the, the smart people who got hold of that data were e almost very quickly able to identify who these search patterns belong to. Now, the problem is, is that if you search your own name, right, you may give it away or you search your own, you look for your own house or whatever it is. But, you know, I'm sure Google or anybody, and as you know, can, you can correlate very quickly sure. to, uh, to a person almost. Uh, and so that's why I was asking if they're collecting data and data that's generated by a person, um, and you're saying they are, but it's tightly controlled. Correct. Right? The government is not allowed um, to relink data between ministries, for example. So they are not able to link data to uh, de-anonymous um, um, the data and uh, come back to the person. On the other hand, uh, the government is not collecting, for example, private public data like um, search results or um, how you what you do in your in in the internet there are right. very restricted laws in Austria now are Austria's laws more restrictive than the general EU laws when it comes to online privacy yes like that do you think it's one of the most restrictive I'm not sure if one of the most restricted but uh, it's a quite restricted law yeah what do you think that stems from why do you think it's so restrictive it's a very, very good question. Um, I think Austria is um, a country who has a lot of transparency and um, very high democratic values. Um, so um, all the parties in Austria um, talk with all the citizens and um, the citizens are quite smart. They know what they are doing. They have a lot of uh, clubs here um, who talk about transparency, about privacy, and um, all the politicians and all the parties talk to these clubs. And um, so this is um, it's necessary to have um, laws um, who are made within um, some kind of non-governmental organizations, um, as far as I know, for example, 
Um, there are a lot of discussions with uh, Wikimedia, for example, or the Open Knowledge Foundation um, to have new ideas to bring innovation also in the law process. Interesting. Do you think that there is a, a desire from the government and from the population to have ultra transparency as well as, you know, a very high standard of privacy from historical things, you know, from World War II and things like that, where it was obviously the different direction and learning from those issues, then perhaps let's make sure this doesn't happen again. I'm quite sure Austrian government learned from history and um, I think that's good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right now we're seeing that, uh, you know, other countries aren't going that direction. Other countries are going in the opposite direction and collecting more and more and more data. And so that, uh, you know, it's uh, that's, that's probably for a different discussion, but uh, interesting nonetheless. And it's, you know, um, I, as someone who's, I've lived in Austria for a number of years, and I do appreciate the fact that it is, you know, privacy is important. I mean, the fact that there's, you know, I think it's there's heavy restrictions on even having a CCTV camera in public, right? Because so you're not recorded, uh, and uh, that's that's pretty interesting. I mean, I realize that sometimes you have to give up your liberties in order to have safety. Uh, you know, when we think of terrorism, crime, things like mm-hmm. that. But it's also nice that, uh, you know, there is an extra layer of appreciation for privacy. Yeah, that's true. Um, I was always thinking about Sweden, for example. Uh, In Sweden, there is a lot of transparency, more than in Austria, for example. In Sweden, I can um, have a look at my neighbor's financial uh, report uh, through the governance. Really, that's open data. <laughs> really, that now that's but that's personal data. I mean, if you're saying <laughs> uh, now, now the difference between transparency and prying, you know, if you if if there's if my house is made of glass and everybody it's transparent because they can see me walking around without my clothes on. That's true, but um, in a legal way, um, the financial report through the governance is not your private data; it's the governmental data. It's interesting. Now, what about medical data? Because the government, if it's a social health system, they're using it to pay your bills, right? They're actually using it the same reason they're using financial data to assess what taxes you owe. That's correct. But they don't only did it um, by the financial report. But it's a quite nice example. Uh, where is the edge between private data and public data and open data and semi-open data or closed data. That's interesting. I did not know that. And it does make you think about where that line is. Correct. And, you know, I don't know. That's interesting. So everybody knows, when you say their financial form, so essentially your tax return or whatever. So everybody can find out what everybody else's financial worth is. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think I like it. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, it would probably be interesting to know what some of the people's financial situations are. Is there anything that you could share with people about big data that things that they should be aware of and maybe they should be cautious of? Uh, and it could be you know, something that, that perhaps people are not thinking about. And I think by now we all know whatever we put in Facebook is owned by Facebook and, or any other social media application and they can do what they want with it. Are there any other situations that you can think of that people probably don't really know maybe how much they're giving away? Actually, nothing a company gives to you is free. So if you get an operating system on a mobile phone, for example, it's not free. You pay with your data. Always be aware of that. Or for another example, when you get this little plastic cart for the shopping uh, mall or the department uh, shopping department, it's not free. You don't get it um, the 10 or 20% off for free. You pay with your data. Just be aware of that. Um, 
which data are you sharing? Which data are you giving away? That's always the thing. And uh, nowadays, um, data has a, a really huge amount of worth. Um, so Google, Facebook, um, all the big companies, uh, data is a value for them. It's not only money, it's also data, which is a, a very big value, how value. And um, we all are giving this value to them. So actually, we get a lot of benefit out of that, to be honest. Cheap operating systems, good, uh, very good search engines, email addresses, um, a lot of other things. Um, but you're giving up a part of your privacy. That's fair enough. That's okay. Uh, but everyone has to be clear and to be aware of uh, this fact. That's a very good point. And I think that we've gotten used to, as a society, of getting things free. And I say free with quotes around them. Uh, in the sense of, you know, we download apps all the time, at least for me. If the app is, is one euro, nah, I'm not doing that. Why would I pay one euro for an app I use all the time? And, you know, otherwise you pay. Now, just because I pay a euro doesn't mean that they're not taking the data. But uh, I think that's a very good point and something to remember. Anytime that you're not, don't think that you're paying for something, you're paying in data. And Correct. I think I read somewhere that Sheryl Sandberg said something about, you know, well, listen, should we charge for Facebook? Yes, we collect data. But we connect, you know, two billion people around the world and all the other things that, that Facebook does, should we start charging for that? We do it free. Well, free is in the sense of you know, they're, they're, you're not paying every month or every week for it. And so, no, that's, that's, a, that's a very important thing to remember. And, uh, and I think it's only going to increase because we want everything for free now. And, you know, it's the same thing. You go on YouTube and you get down your YouTube hole and, well, it doesn't cost anything. Sure it does. There's something. Absolutely. There's something there that's costing. And I think that's really important for people uh, uh, to keep in mind. It leads me to one uh, another point that, you know, we all click through the I accept the terms and service. And now within the EU, all websites, or I think whether they're in the EU or if you're accessing the EU, have to have a, uh, you know, the, the GDPR Accept the cookies. Right? I don't think it's going to do anything because people will still accept it. No one reads it. No one reads them anyways. And the company just has to notify you of what they're what they're doing. And everybody will always accept it. So I, I applaud the EU for trying to you know, improve user security. But I also don't think it's going to change a thing. I think so, too. I think so, too. That's um, the same thing is um, when you have a street and... Um, Every day the cars are going with uh, 50 miles per hour there because, oh, but there is a sign with uh, 30 miles per hour and um, there's no really judgment. There's just a sign and uh, the sign doesn't affect anything. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that the GDPR and uh, especially the things you're talking about, about the cookie um um, storage and the cookie uh, savement and cookie management um, will change in the next few years. Um, there will be harder laws or legal processes um, on the one hand. On the other hand, think about economic growth. Um, with digital disruption or digitalization, um, to really nice passwords nowadays, um, you get an incredible economic, economic grow. For this economic or digital economic grow, you need a lot of data. And the data from all of us. So where is, again, where's the edge between privacy and the the importance of the European Union to make this European economic grow available. 
It seems to me the European Union focuses on two areas, right? So they're focusing on the users by requiring that, hey, requiring the websites to, to notify you that they're collecting cookies or whatever the other information they're collecting from. Again, I don't think users care. I think they're going to do it anyways. They're, no one, everybody clicks through because I want to get to that site. I want to use that application. And then they also focus on the companies, as we've seen recently, a number of lawsuits against you know Google and some of these other companies, Facebook, for collecting data, sharing data, whatever it may be. And, you know, it's, again, as Beck comes back to, I'm providing you a free service. That's you know? correct. And That's correct. I, I, you can search everything on the Internet with fairly decent accuracy. Now, well, of course, things are pushed to the front based upon, you know, economic incentives. But it's a pretty interesting tool and all the other things in the Google suite that are generally basically free. So, yes, the, the cost is data. And... You know, will the courts of the, of the EU accept that as a, as a reason, um, a reasonable uh, argument? I don't know. Apparently not um, in some cases. Before we wrap up, tell me, how did, how did you get involved in, in open data and these types of things? It seems like a, a fairly specific route to go. Ah, it's a long time ago. I studied uh, economics at the University of Economics in Vienna. And... Um, I had a very good friend who was an investment banker. And as a student, as far as you know, you don't have much money. And um, the less money I had, um, I asked him, what should I do? And he told me, ah, you, should, you should buy gold. And I was on the stock market and there was a little gold mine in uh, South America. And I invested all my saved money in this gold mine. And it was quite nice because I was uh, sitting with the live ticker and uh, um, in the course, and, um, and the course was um, the stock was was rising and rising, and after three months it was worth zero shilling at this time as euro, and I lost everything, and um, at this point I got two very important informations for me. The first one, never trust an investment banker. Yes. And the second one was um, take resources who get, who became more worthy when you share it. And that's data and um, up-on-dated information. Because when you share it, um, it increases in worth. No how, how do you mean in that example? Explain that in that example. What you mean? When I share my data with you, for example, like the legal system I mentioned before, uh, I get new innovation on it. I get a new information out of this data. Uh, I can combine it with other data to get new information. Um, so it get, gets more worth uh, when I share the data and combine it with other data. I can do it with gold or oil or uh, some other resources. When I share it, I have the half of that. Uh, when I take, when I do the same thing on data, it grows in worth. So, how would sharing of data helped you from preventing you from losing everything, <laughs> or, or would it not have? Uh, actually, at this time, it uh, it wouldn't have. Um, but my focus from this time was on share economy. Mm -hmm. the economy of sharing um, and open data. And the idea of putting this also in a governmental um, framework. Um, so I started at the Federal Chancellery um, with this whole open government and also open innovation pro uh, process um, to get in uh, innovation into the government and to also participate um, with citizens um, on based on this data, on new processes, um, on new ideas for the government, um, including new apps, including the increase of quality of data, for example. Let me give you a very small example. Uh, we had all the locations of all the trees um, in Vienna uh, as open data and actually uh, 
we thought our quality was quite good. Then we got feedback from the community that there is one tree in uh, Vienna um, with a diameter of 100 meter. There was the wrong um, comma in uh, mm. in the it's source, yeah. and we we could we in the government we could increase um, the quality of our data within the citizens, and that was an awesome thing. Um, that um, is very good for the resources for the government. It's very good for the quality of the data, and also for all the entrepreneurs who use the data. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of a lot of companies rely on the the crowd. I don't want to say sort. I guess crowdsourcing of the data. I mean, I just read an article recently of Waze. Do you you know Waze the the map? And that's people are fanatic about they they're volunteers. This Waze is basically you know it's it's of course it's all through crowd sourcing of the data, but there are people who spend 40, 50 hours a week combing through maps, basically for no pay, only for they get some sort of ranking in the company or whatever it may be. I, I think that's very common. And people seem to like to contribute data. They like to be contributing to that. It's a really interesting psychological phenomena. Uh, one last question. Are there any restrictions on companies or using the data for commercial applications. You bring up an investment banker. Um, you know, there's there's opportunity, maybe not an investment banker, but someone in an investment type situation, let's say. You know, there's a lot of things, crops that are weather dependent, right? So they can pull the, the data to get better weather data for crops. You know, here in Vienna, it would be wine probably or grapes. Um, but if you can use that data, you know, to pull to pull other information and use it to make money. There's no restriction on that, right? Absolutely not. Okay. Absolutely not. There are theories um, to motivate the companies to use it for their business processes or new businesses. Um, nowadays, we have a new project called the Data Market Austria, uh, where the intermediates who um, deal with data, who bring some service level agreements, for example, uh, to data that they are 24 seven um, accessible, for example, um, that there's a high quality on data uh, to make it open also for business processes, for example. Wow. Okay. So there are actually services out there that are looking to promote the use of, this, of open data. Yes, correct. Um, the project is a research project at the moment and uh, will start in um, autumn this year. So there's another business opportunity. Be, be the middleman. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. That's, that's correct. Excellent. Well, Gunter, thanks. We're coming up on an hour here. And uh, I know you're a busy guy. And I want to thank you for coming by. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. And keep on sharing.